0: Hey there, Misketeers. This is Tari J.
1: And this is Lex Michael. Uh, All right, folks, before we get started with this week's episode, uh, the big news. And the big news is this. This is going to be the final month of Missing Out. The world is in a very different place than it was when we started this show three years ago. And consequently, we're in very different places as well. And after some soul searching, we decided that now is the time to bring this thing in for a landing and begin a new journey. Uh, we're not going away just yet. We have a whole month of shows coming for you, and our theme for this month is going to reflect our decision. Our theme is going to be Halcyon Days, which is all about the ending of one journey and the beginning of a new one. And I guess we want to say thank you so much for coming on this journey with us and for being here with us still, and and for hanging and for hanging with us for our for our last month and stuff. There's a lot of fun stuff coming up, uh, and I know that it's it's meant the world to me. Certainly that you guys have been here the entire time.
0: I agree. I think that these last three and a half years have been so enriching for the both of us. We've learned so much from you guys. Uh, We've been able to explore a lot of new experiences. We've had some fun guests. We have had a lot of fun times, a bunch of dumb bits. And we definitely hope that you guys keep up with us. When we are on to new ventures.
1: Oh, and also, in case anybody's worried, this is not a Lennon-McCartney thing. This isn't, we're so desperately sick of each other, we just have to get away from each other and shit like that. It's just time.
0: Right. I'm tired of experiencing new things. Uh, I uh, am only in nostalgia mode from now on. And so there's nothing new. This is the cutoff. This is where <laughs> I officially declare that I'm only going to watch things from the 90s. And I'm going to pretend it's pre-9-11. I, uh,
1: I have actually seen all of the things. So there's nowhere else for me to go. In fact, I looked into the future and saw there's not, there's not much there. There's there's not much. So I've seen it all. So really, where do we go?
0: That's true. If anything, we're all filled in.
1: (laughs) What? But in earnest, uh, it really has meant the world getting to do this show. It was always a dream of mine to have a podcast. And not only did I get to do a show... That I feel real good about. I got to do it with one of my favorite people in the world.
0: Aw, you're a sweetheart.
1: But the fact that you guys are listening, the fact that you guys showed up week after week for our goofy bullshit, it's genuinely touching. And so, so thank you.
0: Yes, thank you. And again, as Lex said, uh, you still have a whole month with us. So make sure you keep tuning in. Make sure that you are watching the stuff and and enjoying our, our super fun guests because uh, we're looking forward to it, so we hope that you two are looking forward to it.
1: And there there will be, of course, time for a, a little bit more of a formal wrap-up uh, later uh, when we finish out the month. But yeah, in the meantime, we hope you enjoy uh, the shows we've got lined up. We're very excited. And uh, of course, uh, follow us everywhere. We are still here, even if the show is not. Uh, but in the meantime, hey, let's, uh, let's kick off our final month. Let's do it right. Tari, why don't you count us in?
0: All right, we are rolling now. Counting us down, three, two... You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey there, Misketeers. Welcome back to Missing Out. I am Tari J.
1: I am Lex Michael.
0: And if this is your first time listening, what we do here is we introduce each other to different media, whether it be movies, music, Television, spoken word, books, experiences, things that have built us up as people, and we hope that in sharing it, it builds you up. We are the retrospective that is introspective.
1: They killed his dog, they stole his car, but their biggest mistake, they did not subscribe to his podcast.
0: Ooh yeah, that that sweet Wick podcast where he talks about the ins and outs of the 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 mob life and also his mob wife.
1: <laughs> it's just you didn't you didn't like headshot. You didn't subscribe headshot. You didn't give me five stars. Only three and a half headshot.
0: Uh we would be remiss if we did not introduce our guest this week. Andrew Minna is joining us once again. Andrew, oh, hey guys. Welcome, welcome. Uh, If you uh, have been a longtime fan of the show, you may remember Andrew from uh, the discussion about Neo Yokio. Oh, yeah. You may remember him from our discussion about uh, the night, funny, funny, hilarious show movie. Um, (laughs) Which one? uh, (laughs) Monty Python's Holy Grail. Is that what we discussed? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. We call
1: it funny, funny night movie.
0: Yeah, Maybe, uh, well, it sounds like Andrew's not a long-time fan. <laughs> Dude,
1: <laughs> he doesn't listen uh, to remember. the podcast. Fucking like, didn't, didn't like, headshot, didn't subscribe, headshot.
2: Oh, uh, man, I only like the episodes I'm
1: not on.
0: Ah, uh, I see, That's I get how it. I feel. Me too. Um. So, Andrew, you yes. brought in John Wick. Jonathan uh, Wick. Why should someone watch this movie?
2: Uh I I think John Wick is a quite enjoyable movie for a number of reasons but the the easiest thing to say about John Wick is that John Wick is a action movie
0: that just gets to the fun
2: and continues having fun throughout the
1: film like it, it's a non-stop fun machine.
0: Nice. I like non-stop fun machines. <laughs>
1: Me too. Uh, personally, uh I prefer that my fun stop occasionally. I do need <laughs> I do need a break uh okay i'm not as young as i once was uh so i do need to space out my fun a little bit but but yes there is enough fun in this thing especially the way i i sort of space it out and ration my fun there's mm, a, enough smart, fun smart. in this two hours for for at least uh four hours
0: ah i see <laughs> so uh andrew yeah you brought this as part of our monthly theme which is Goodbye, Halcyon days, which is a focus on change. uh, What once was moving into something new, you know, the end of an era, the end of a, a moment in time and pursuing new journeys. So why do you feel like this movie fits within that paradigm?
2: Well, at first glance, it kind of feels like John Wick is the story of a guy going back to something, going back to a world he knew before. But when you think about the intention of it uh, and the intention behind like he, his getting out in the first place, the sort of up moment we're given at the beginning of the movie, giving context to why you know he wasn't there in the first place. Uh, it's really about him going deeper and beyond any place he's gone before. So he's becoming this other entity, this John Wick that now we know and can celebrate. I, this is the beginning of the true legend of John Wick, more or less. Mm. This isn't quite a spoiler, but that line he has late in the movie where he goes, uh, "Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back." Is not really. I think it's. I think it's beyond. He's back. It's he's he's descended into. Hell, and now he's the angel of death come to administer all of the sentencing. He's, uh, yeah, he's great. I, I love this film. I can't say enough all about
1: right. it right like at one at one time he was sort of an arm of this world, an extension of this world and and now circumstances have thrust him in a position where te- yes he's technically returning uh to to the place from whence he came, but in a completely different role now he really like you say he he really is taking the shape of a destroyer of of the baba yaga uh, to essentially tear down elements of that system he was once directly a part of,
0: yeah. <laughs> return from whence you came and the world's gonna know your name what's, what's your name, your name man? man John Wick Baba Yagaga <laughs> <laughs> wow his name is John. John Wick Yagaga <laughs> it's just like as, he's, tape. like as he's
1: headshotting people he's just very quietly singing that to himself under his breath it like <laughs> helps center him it gets him in his zone and shit
2: just he has one earpod in baby driver style and is listening to this
0: this tune yeah. <laughs> um so uh lex you had seen john wick before right
1: oh i'm a huge fan of uh not just this installment but uh the next two even though i do think uh the the popular consensus seems to be that the third installment of this series is the weakest of the three thus far uh, i'm still a big like he weaponizes a horse in that one dogs yeah, run up that's walls a fun and one spoilers. Uh, yeah hey, hey so, Halle Berry's so- in that one spoilers so um, you know, I, I'm a am a long time fan, but coming back uh, and and looking at the first one just completely by itself, uh, separate from the context of what comes after, it's uh, one incredible to me how much lifting this movie does. Um, it's really impressive to me that they tell a very simple story, but I think they world build with crazy crazy efficiency. That's what um, I was also- going to say.
2: The world building in this movie is off the chain
1: like they're doing it correctly, right? Like they're not, it never feels, it never feels like they're teasing out elements specifically to get you to want to pay money for a sequel. It feels like these are all, we don't get more of the world than is directly pertinent to the story that they're telling, but it's sort of interesting and mysterious enough, suggests this big world just outside the margins of the frame. And I think they do a really great job um, incorporating all of those elements without allowing those elements to step on the narrative. And also. The theming of this movie and the execution of the themes in this movie, I think, worked better for me this time than ever before, uh, by which I mean, this is ultimately, yes, and we'll obviously we'll, we'll bust our recap in a minute. But this is, you know, on the surface, a story of a man who who uh, essentially loses his, his new sort of blissful existence and sort of goes on a revenge quest, right? Like that's the surface. But really fundamentally, it's about a man who was uh in the process of grieving and hopefully by extension healing and trying to build his life into something new after grave loss. And as he says, that that freedom, that that ability to grieve the way he wants to is taken away from him. And um uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now that to me makes that feel far more salient and far more affecting than it ever has. So, and and we can talk a little bit more about that later, but uh yeah, I was very much struck by the execution of theme in this movie. Haha, <laughs> execution, get it? Uh but hey, I think they they do for for something I'll tell you when you're older. Uh for for a movie that you could and I think a lot of people did when it first came out sort of write it off as like B-movie action schlock. Um I think they they walk this tightrope with insane efficiently, uh, insane efficiency, like this thing is a really well-oiled machine. And the fact that they are able to do as much as they do while still not deviating from what is ultimately a simple story uh, impressed me this time, I think, more than I've ever been impressed by it.
2: Good. I I think you should be impressed. It's an incredible movie that uh, does a lot. I think, honestly. And we talked about world building and we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, as we go on. But a couple of my very favorite moments of this movie are just uh, concise little world building moments where the reaction you get, like, tells the entire story of context. And it gives you so much from, like, a couple words. I love it.
0: Uh, Yeah. And I would also say that uh, it's a super star studded film like you got keanu reeves you have michael nyquist you have uh, alfie allen adrian palicki uh bridget monahan and you got johnny legs. Uh, johnny legs yeah i don't know who that is john leguizamo Ah uh, i see <laughs> and, and come on
2: that's that wasn't that far away of a <laughs> departure of his name ian mcshane um, willem dafoe come on this movie's amazing yeah so
1: yeah. By Lance Reddick, you got a small appearance from Clark Peters, who's one of my favorite dudes to see pop up here and there and stuff. Yeah, the cast is is really fantastic and largely filled out by actors that I think most people are familiar with from Prestige TV. Um, but it really... David Patrick Kelly shows up also. I mean, it really makes this world feel inhabited by these sort of big, larger-than-life personalities. And it's uh, actually especially the way they cast it and the, the way these actors are playing these roles set against the backdrop of this larger than life world, everybody pops and everybody feels distinct and it almost feels comic booky. And I do think that the directors, uh, David Leitch and Chad Stelheski, I believe they've discussed um, sort of uh, comic book sensibility as a big reference point for them along with, and this sort of excited me along with, uh, you know, Sergio Leone's man with no name films, uh, we talked about Fistful of Dollars on this show a couple of months ago. Um, but also the work of Jean-Pierre Melville. Uh, specifically, I think they cited Le Cirque Rouge, uh, but also Le Samurai, which we've also talked about on this show. Um stuff that I'm a really big yeah, stuff that I'm a really big fan of to begin with. Um and so it obviously makes a ton of sense that that this final product would appeal to me. But yeah, uh, they they talked about really specifically wanting there to be a very comic booky feel. And I I absolutely think the way they cast this very brilliantly and the way uh, Derek Kolstad's script, I think, gives everybody something sort of unique to do, gives everybody a, a sort of unique, strong, defined personality. Um, yeah, like, th- there's no... Obviously, Keanu Reeves is the lead, but there isn't a single link in this cast that isn't incredibly strong, no matter the size of the part. Like, like Clark Peters oh, doesn't have much in terms of screen time, and yet he gets to... He doesn't have, like, a huge moment, but he gets to be really, really great with his was, limited amount was, of screen time.
2: Remind remind me who Clark Peters is, just so I'm on the same page as you. He
1: is, without spoiling anything yet, he is the guy where uh, John John and, and Perkins, the Adrian Palicki character, have uh, uh-huh, an altercation. Yeah. And he is one, He's staying the, at the, the Continental neighbor. in a room yeah. down the hall. Yeah.
0: I, oh, yeah I
1: loved
2: oh, I was just gonna say his role
0: is so great um all right it feels like we really want to get into spoilers so I'm gonna start lowering that spoiler wall gonna gonna tink tin tinka and while it's lowering I thought I would tell you guys to you know make sure you go on uh, Apple podcast leave us a five star rating all that stuff um, and if you haven't seen the film, it is available on Amazon. I think it's discounted uh, this week. So that's cool. Um, I mean, you can find it on all major stream not all major streaming services, but like any streaming service that has for rent options or for buying options, you can do so on those platforms. So when we come back from the break we are going to be talking all the spoilers. We're going to be talking about characters. We're going to be talking about themes. We're going to be talking about what kind of breakfast the Continental serves. And it's not what you think it is. Uh, So, (laughs) make sure that you come back right after this break. All right. We are back, and you know what that means. Ooh, we're gonna bust a recap. Pew! 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 Oh, headshots. Pew! Pew! Gun show. Pew! 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 Oh! It's not just my biceps. It's a real gun. Pew! Oh! No one kills my dog. Is
2: this? this, is, this is, I, I can tell by Lex's laughter that this isn't the normal way that that goes.
0: <laughs> no, we had to do a special Buster recap because there's so much gun stuff. Oh, I, do, um, though, I thank I like, goodness you I feel like, made it special for me. Yeah, of course.
1: <laughs> I feel like in John Wick 4, he needs a, like a kid sidekick. And every battle, the kid is just sort of there. He's got one gun, but the other one's just he's like got a finger pistol. And he's just like, ooh, guns, pew, 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 guns. And, and John Wick has to basically apologize to everybody he's about to headshot for his sidekick's behavior. It's to get mm, yeah, the kids, it's to yeah. rope the kids yeah. in. They need okay, like a nice. robin. Yeah. Or, yeah, or
0: it's like uh, that one kid in Indiana Jones, the second one, where he's like, where well, I'm, Mr. Jones, <laughs> I'm a stereotype. Um, he does scream that. He does yeah. scream that. Yeah. A lot. He says it a lot. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so let me recap this real quick yeah. um, in, in case you're like, oh, man, I went past the spoiler wall, but I don't remember what happened. Uh, well, I got you. I'm going to help you out. So we open on this framing device where John's all beat up and he's like watching a video of his wife and he's like, oh man, you're so dead and I'm so sad. And it's like, wow, how did he get here? So we go back in time and we have a little montage where he's living his life. He's so alone. He, he's looking at his all the things. giant he house. Has. Yeah. And he's like, look at all these things I have two of. And yet it's just me. I wonder how that happened. And then they do another flashback, and it's like, oh man, I'm having such a good time with my wife, who's hella alive. And then uh, she she passes out in an anime fashion, where you're like, oh no. Uh, I mean, I,
2: let's let's be real, guys. Up came out in 2009. This is an up moment.
0: They're doing up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess they, there was no coughing into a uh, into a handkerchief or anything.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but we—it's the same. It's the
0: same basic beats.
2: It's just like, oh, look, we're happy. Up oh, now she's sick. Up oh, now she's gone.
0: Right. And so then, uh, after he's he's still sad, but he's starting to get some kind of semblance of normal. He gets a little package from his wife and it's posthumously so like she's not secretly alive, uh, just in case that was a thing that you God, thought at what the beginning a of a spin off
2: what a spin off movie <laughs> that would be.
0: Uh, so then it has a little puppy in it, and she's like, Yo, I knew you couldn't do this alone. So, like, hey, why don't you have this puppy? And he's like, Fuck yeah, I love puppies. I'm gonna feed it cereal because I'm irresponsible. <laughs> and then he uh, goes for a crazy drive with the puppy in the passenger side. I hope he buckled it in, but it didn't go flying out the window. So, I guess it's okay. But, like, when he stops to get gas, Theon Greyjoy's there, and he's like, ooh, I'm not reek yet, so I'm gonna, I want your car. And he's like, hey, yo, no, the car's not for sale. And Theon Greyjoy's like, I'll show you. And so later, he and his buddies break in, and they're like, yo, I'm gonna beat you up, I'm gonna steal your car, and I'm gonna kill your fucking dog. Because I'm vicious, and I need the audience to know that they should not root for me, and my death will be justified, so I'm going to kill this dog. Uh, and so they do that. And then he John does say all of that. Yeah, that's it's the it's the main monologue. And the audience is like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. got it. Got it. You're the bad guy. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, but then he uh, goes and finds John Leguizamo and he's like, yo, was my car here? And John's like, hey, hey, here's the deal. The kid who stole your car is your old boss's son. And, um, you know, like you, 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 I'm not part of this. Please take my drink and go away. Uh, And then everyone is like, oh, and by everyone, I mean Vigo, the head of the mob, the Russian mob or whatever. um, He finds out that his son did John dirty and was like, okay, well, we're all fucked, right? Uh, But I'll give him a call. See if it's cool. And John is like silent, which means it's not cool. And so he yes. is like, all right, I guess I have to choose between my old friend and my son, and I am uh, biologically obligated to protect my son. And so I'm going to have to send everyone to kill this guy because boom, 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 We have a big villain introduction moment where typically your protagonist is introduced to a villain in this, in this way. But we introduce our protagonist in the way that we introduce villains, where we talk about their long, devious legacy and how much of a threat they are. And so from a certain perspective, this movie is actually about a father trying to protect his son from a monster.
2: <laughs> oh man, that's so interesting that you th- put it that way. Uh, it could easily be uh, a horror movie about the the John Wick uh, monster that comes to to kill you if you if you kill dogs. Right. I guess.
0: Um effectively all you would need to do is like you just have the sun moving from place to place, and everyone acting all frantic, and you never really see the John Wick character. You just have characters going into the the places and just seeing all the dead bodies strewn about, and they're like, "Fuck, they, we need we need more guys." Yeah. Um, <laughs> May but, I can I
2: really well, quickly touch upon a moment that we just uh, breeze past a little bit, but uh, is maybe one of my favorite moments in the movie. Sure. Um, just uh the moment where uh you know vigo calls john oh uh, no no he doesn't call john he calls um sorry johnny legs in order to be like why did you strike my son uh-huh and uh, johnny legs uh replies uh well you know he uh, stole john wick's car and killed his dog and the response to that instead of being like well that doesn't matter it's my son or like saying anything else he goes oh he just says oh like, he gets it. He knows, oh, that's bad. Like, yeah. we know as the audience now, like like you said, like, we are setting up this monster, this absolute villain, and it happens to be our protagonist. And that is just so delightful, considering especially that all we've seen of him is, like, feeding a dog cereal.
0: Right. Um, and so, uh, from there, we essentially get the whole the whole second act is all about John... Not being back in the game, but really trying to get his revenge on this guy who killed the last semblance of hope that he had that was given to him from his wife. And so we go from location to location, John Wick hunting down this kid and murdering everyone in his way as long as they deserve it and are bad guys and aren't his friends. And so then or aren't uh, innocent women or children he doesn't do that that's not his jam he only kills goons um and until he eventually uh comes face to face with vigo who's like i caught you motherfucker ah oh, yeah you ain't so bad and he puts him in a in a warehouse and he beats him up and he's like yo i thought you was big i thought you had a big dick i thought you was fucking big big bad john wick but here you are at my mercy Ooh, you're never gonna touch my son you should have just fucking dealt with your you got you got a new dog bitch and then uh with the help of john's old friend he escapes and yeah. uh yeah, it's in that moment
2: that Vigo decides to be like, "Yeah, I got you. I'm gonna punish you. Also, I'm gonna leave now that I have you, and not and not make sure you're dead because that is my style." Bye. Right.
1: right. Yeah. In that's... classic comic book villain fashion.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Or anime. <laughs> or James Bond. Yeah, like there's so many. Tr- this like John lives in so many tropes of of action star. He is he is the ultimate action man.
0: Yeah. Uh and so then he uh John manages to catch up with Vigo and Vigo's like, Okay, fine, here's where my son is. Don't kill me. I have an empire, and that guy's a piece of shit. Uh so John goes and he murders Theon Greyjoy, and like, he's like
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he's like, Oh no, I'm sorry, it was just a dog, and he's like, it was My dog. And so uh but Vigo is still sad because that was his that was his son. He was again biologically wired to care about him, even though he's a piece of shit. And so he takes out all of his anger on John's old friend, who's played by Willem Dafoe. And he's like, oh man, if you would have done your job, my son would be alive. Ooh, I'm mad. But John doesn't take too kindly. And so after Vigo kills John, or well, I guess technically, uh, I mean, you know, uh, Willem Dafoe went on, on his own terms, but still, uh, after Vigo kills him, John's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find you, I'm gonna kill you, and then they have a, a, a chase down, and a fist fight, and then, uh, you know, Vigo loses, cause he's an old man, and, and John Wick is Baba blah, blah, Yaga, blah, blah. and so, uh, <laughs> then John gets to the beginning of the movie where he crashes his car cuz he's all beat up and then right. he fixes himself in a in a vet place and he steals a dog. Not, yeah. not uh, well, I guess I guess Well you know, arguably that's a shelter. He's he's
2: saving a dog. But he's not right. doing the paperwork.
0: He's not yeah. like
1: stealing somebody's pet.
0: It could have been there's there, there could have that's been a, a great a, point. Wow, Luke. that's
2: a great point. There's a spin-off movie there where that dog belongs to someone important and John Wick takes him. And then the rest of the movie is that person trying to track down John Wick and his dog. Right. right. Like that's
0: the, what the fourth one's going to be.
1: Yeah. Like in the background of the, re- of the rest of the series is you have this guy who's like relentlessly hunting Wick. It's like you took my dog from me, motherfucker. And so I now have to get my vengeance on you. But John Wick yeah. is so busy dodging a world full of assassins that he just he doesn't fucking
2: notice. Yeah, the one difference is that because this dog isn't dead yet, he's uh, John is allowed to return in at the end. So we get like a, a you know a, a parting of ways thing, and John is finally allowed to be like, "Whoa, is that what I'm doing to people? Making them not have dogs? This hurts. I'm gonna, <laughs> oh God, I'm, I'm gonna I'm stop Perpetuating
1: now. this cycle. Yeah, I need and to he break learns
2: and he grows.
0: Yes. <laughs> Um, I, you bring up a, a, a really interesting point in that, uh, John Wick kills a lot of people, right? Yes, and absolutely. So, and how many of them have dogs? Well, but <laughs> how many, how many of them have like families? So like yeah, his well, dogs, whole thing,
2: but yeah, yeah, whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. His whole thing is about him having to like dealing with grief and yet he is a grief maker. He's like a grief machine. He.
2: he That's
1: absolutely true. Yeah. It's something that I've not really seen explored in a movie before. There was actually a deleted scene uh, that you can find on the DVD for like, I think it's the first Austin Powers where they run. Uh, I think it's Michael McDonald over with a steamroller. And in yes, an earlier cut of the movie, it cuts to his house with his wife and his kid and like she gets the call that he got flattened oh, with man. a steamroller <laughs> and she's that's, you know she's super fun. devastated and has to tell their son that like daddy got run over with a steamroller and isn't coming home but of course that scene didn't make the final cut and outside of that deleted scene I don't think I've ever actually seen that explored in a mm-hmm. movie like this where it's like yeah like do they have families like, this is presumably yeah. a job for these guys. And so if they go to work one day and they get, you know, headshot by John Wick, well, presumably, if they've got a family, that family will get a call at some point where it's like, uh, hello, yeah. so sorry, Baba Yaga headshotted your husband.
2: <laughs> yeah, but like, was, is there? Yeah, that's a great question. And do we have, does like Vigo have sort of like a set aside, like, like, what is the insurance like for a henchman? Right?
0: You know, <laughs> and it's and it's actually, just like a, a pile of money in a garage. He's like, I guess yeah. you got to so, just buy it.
2: There's a huge bag of doubloons, because apparently <laughs> doubloons is a proper currency of the criminal underbelly.
1: Right, like they give the, the wives, like the widows, like a bag of gold coins and they leave. And the widow's like, where the fuck am I supposed to spend this? I don't live in assassin land. Who's going to take this currency?
2: <laughs> They're like, oh, don't worry. Go to this very specific place. It's like, a, you know, some sort of dry cleaner. But you have to say this sentence. Or maybe maybe every or maybe every next of kin uh, turns into a new henchman, you know. Like the wife right. is like, well, well got to quit my day job and become a henchman. Like, they just
1: they just get coupons for a deli that's adjacent to the warehouse where they beat their people up.
0: Right. Aww. Yeah, that's how we got uh, Adrian Palicki as a she used to be someone's wife. And then she was like, I guess I gotta be an assassin now. And John oh, Wick is was the original uh, killer of her husband. And so that's why she keeps trying to murder him at murder hotel.
2: Oh man, dude, yes. What was it, what was it called again? It's
0: uh, the, continent. the Continental that serves full-service breakfast.
2: Oh man, I really love the hotel aspect to the Continental and the whole sort of like structure that they put in place. I think we meet um, the, uh, what do you call
1: it, the Taylor guy? Um, I'm not sure. I think we meet the Taylor in the second movie. Um, if if okay. I recall correctly, okay. I think the tailor is uh, isn't it Peter Serafinowitz? If I remember correctly, but I, I believe yeah, we don't it, yeah we don't it might be. There's so many good characters in this movie. Yeah, we don't. I don't think we this get series. to the sort of bulletproof suits until number
0: two. Boilers. Oh, but, uh, man! Now I know they're bulletproof suits, <laughs> which they stole from Daredevil. Ah! <laughs>
2: Um, I mean, let's also like really quickly, speaking of Marvel, talk about how basically John Wick is kind of like, like the movie is exactly the same structure wise as the Punisher.
1: Oh, I suppose it is. It is.
2: I mean, I don't know if you guys love like I do the um, John Travolta Punisher with Tom Jane and Ben Foster and uh, Rebecca Romaine and all the delightful people that are in that one where
1: uh, he moves fire hydrants around and stuff.
2: Oh, that's I love that bit. Oh my gosh. Tari, super quick. This is a guy that has a, a fire hydrant and a duffel bag and uses it to steal someone's car so he can do stuff to it and then return it in the exact same spot. Mm. Genius. Okay. Such a fun such a fun moment that I was like, "Oh, that's so fun." Like I don't know if it would work in real life, but it definitely works in
0: this movie. <laughs> Um, so, when you say that it is structurally the same as that movie, what do you mean? I mean, it, The
2: Punisher is a story of a man with uh, a lot of skills, specific skills, that is uh, trying to get out. And in getting out, he, you know, tries, to, he accidentally, like, pisses off the wrong guy who takes out um, his entire family, is sort of the Punisher thing. But in this, the whole, like, his whole family for John Wick is his dog. So it's a lot less murdering. But, you know, it's a lot. It's the same thing. Um, And once that whole family is taken, he has nothing but his uh, desire for vengeance and it nearly swallows him. And that's sort of like the whole question of these revenge movies, which I think is really interesting. But ultimately, we know what the answer is, which is like he's not going to, like, lose himself, even though he might be threatened of that. He might be, you know. Uh, the movie might threaten like oh he loses humanity getting close to being the same as these monsters he's trying to punish but you know we know he likes dogs we know he's going to still still try to love you know he still has love in his heart in the same way that the punisher like you know doesn't finish that last bottle of wild turkey he puts the glass down and says no no more wild turkey time to go to therapy i guess like or whatever okay um yeah, you know, like I, I think, I think he probably goes to therapy. Maybe not using his name. Right, of
0: course. Um, he's like, my name's Salmon Letter. Uh,
2: <laughs> Salmon Letter, that's me. <laughs>
0: um, so actually, now that you've brought up the idea of his humanity, something I really like about the film is how, uh, as we have mentioned, he is introduced like a very uh, insanely skilled villain but they do little things to remind you that he has a certain amount of humanity like he is uh, uh he has like a code like we we had touched upon that he doesn't kill like, women and children he only kills goons but i also like the the moments where he will let a goon that he knows go and it'll be like all right hey look uh it might be a good time for you to take off. I know that you have a wife and kids, and they'll be like, "Thanks, John." Uh, that. <laughs>
2: oh yeah, I love that moment. The the bouncer who he just like, you know, is like, "Hey, time to go." <laughs> He's like, "Okay,
0: thanks, Yeah, John. like so that kind of thing. I think, and uh, the the police officer who comes to his door. Oh, yeah. My other favorite
2: Jimmy. moment. My other favorite moment, Jimmy. Yeah, it's it is it, so much established by Jimmy just saying, "You uh, you working again?" And just and him being like, oh, just working some stuff out and him saying, "Oh, OK, yeah, I'll leave you alone to it then. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: a wild amount of of
2: just yeah you you do you buddy that this policeman is allowing john wick
1: right and it's like that moment is a perfect example of you talk about world building right and how that moment says so much with so yes. little but also you you were just talking about sort of the structures and the the rules spoken and not of the world that john wick comes from and it goes back to what i was saying before about how i think a lesser script would have maybe taken the, you know you'd get like a goofy on-screen text effect where it's like you know rule number one no women no kids like goofy shit like yeah, that but
2: it, definitely but instead yeah. like
1: they're able to give you all of that information uh in a really organic way and it's not like they stop uh, even organically to be like this is a hard rule you just get a sense of sort of what the professionalism of these guys in this monstrous business is all about and like you know you see it in yeah. the in the John Vigo relationship right because when John Leguizamo gives that phone call you know uh, uh Vigo understands immediately why what his son has done was a terribly stupid thing and it will be met with reprisal and that's just what happens you know what I mean it's like Yes, of course, he's going to come back on you. And he's coming back on you because you're an idiot. He's not even necessarily in the wrong. What were you thinking? But at the same time, it's still my son. And so even though he's an idiot, even though at a certain point, I will actually give him up to save my own ass, it's still my son. And so I understand why you have to do what you have to do. But now because of this, I now have to do what I have to do. And you, you learn so much about the worldview of these characters and sort of the the quote unquote values of these characters just through how they dramatize their relationships in that way. And that is to me, that's impressive writing because like I said, like a, a hackier script I think would have made all of this stuff A lot more explicit. I think you would run the risk of making the movie sort of grind to a halt. Oh, yeah. And instead... A lesser movie would have let Ed Ed Norton narrate this movie. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, you'd have a constant Keanu Reeves voiceover and shit. Um, But instead, it's all conveyed through drama and through character, right? Like the fact that um, when the Marcus character, Willem Dafoe, when he meets his demise in the movie, um, he... He makes a choice like he makes an active decision not to go out on his knees, not to go out begging. He knows he's going to die no matter what he does in this scenario. There's no way out for him. And so he makes a choice to go out on his own terms. It's like, you know what? I'm dead no matter what. So I'm going out swinging. And so that's a a sort of dramatic character choice that tells you just about everything about this guy's worldview. And the fact that even though Vigo then puts a whole bunch of bullets in him, he does so with a certain amount of respect because there is an overlap in the worldview between these two guys who who occupy this world, who who sort of come from the same uh, morass, if you will. But it's all conveyed through character. And I think that's really impressive, especially in a movie where – you know, it's, it's a movie th- with a thousand fucking headshots in it. You know, it's a ballet of violence. And I feel like a lot of writers and directors would be content to just highlight those aspects. Wouldn't focus quite as much on telling the most effective story in the most effective way. And the fact that it's all like there's so much information there that is all conveyed through dramatization and character. Good shit. Hats off. God damn it.
2: Absolutely. I think also something that you're sort of pointing to without directly pointing to it is the way that John just like walks through the world. He's not a man who wants to hurt people necessarily. He's just a man who can. Right. Like, I think it's really, you know, that you see the way that he, you know, talks to Jimmy and the way that he talks to uh, the people that aren't interacting with him, you know, uh, violently. Like, he's very chill. The way he talks to Johnny Legs, even when he comes in, has a drink and, you know. You can tell the people who are in uh, his shop also just look at John like, "Oh yeah, let him go. He's he should be here. It's fine." Yes, you know, there's a there's a sense there's a sense of Johnny uh, of John uh, not to confuse Johnny Legs and John Wick, but there's a sense that John uh, John Wick like is ju- he just walks through life uh, and doesn't really uh, you know necessarily strike anyone as out of place, which I think is also really interesting yes. in this movie.
1: And also too, and and part of it is an extension of sort of everything he's lost but he also yeah he he seems to really approach violence as an occupation um yeah it's something he's good at like almost like a like a really skilled carpenter can build you a nice table uh John Wick's trade his craft is essentially violence but he doesn't get off on it the way it seems like a lot of other characters in the movie do and sort of as an extension of both that and like the world building conversation you see like once you get into the the continental especially once you meet winston and then you also see sort of how vigo lives and runs his shit There is uh, very much an an opulence to part of this world, right, that's all sort of built on blood and violence. But then you see these guys like Vigo, like uh, Yosef to an extent, even though he's way dumber about it, or guys like Winston who very clearly, even though Winston doesn't seem to get off on violence to the same degree, who very clearly dig on the opulence of this world in a way that just you know obviously john will take advantage of the amenities that the continental offers but he doesn't see it's just part of his trade it's not something that he really gets off on and i feel like a great one of the most telling character moments um in the whole movie for me is uh near the end and it's when perkins has broken sort of the cardinal rule of the continental which is no. (laughs) and they basically the four hitmen there's a sort of this like courtyard uh, just giant pavilion with columns and she's standing in the middle of it and four hitmen uh, come from each corner and then Ian McShane just a straight line and without stopping is just like "Your, uh, your privileges for the Continental have been revoked, keeps walking and then all four gunmen just put a bullet in her at the same time and there is no reason that they yeah. have to go for that kind of pageantry. There is no reason Ian McShane had to show up and walk through except that he thinks it's cool and has a good time doing it. And i and you
0: know what? He's right. <laughs> he's exactly right. You gotta send
2: a message. He's he's one million percent right. I, let me just also quickly say that if you want to add gravity and and like uh, uh like elegance to your series or stupid movie, put Ian McShane in there, baby. Oh, yes. Like I don't know if either of you guys saw the Death Race movie with Jason <laughs> Statham, but he added so much to it uh, for no reason other than being Ian McShane. In any case, I just think like Winston is such a perfect character to show us what this world means. Like you're absolutely right, not necessary at all. But it reminds me of the Megamind moment. Is like the big difference is presentation, right. and like there it is. Just that's how that's how you got to execute your uh, your peeps with a little presentation.
0: So I feel like we would be remiss without talking about the actual action in this movie yes um oh, so david leach and uh chad stahelski i don't know if i'm pronouncing that correctly but you know how i am with names um they are both uh they're both stunt men slash stunt coordinators slash stunt directors um and it took them a few years to get this off uh to get this project off the ground um And they really put a lot of effort into making a lot into making the action scenes believable and stand out and uh, utilize every different method of gun use in the history of guns. Um, Hell yes. And so I think the the coined term is gun foo that they use Mm -hmm. for for Keanu Reeves, Um, not to be mistaken for gun kata from uh-huh. Equilibrium.
2: Uh, I was actually thinking Equilibrium is essentially the same idea, but not as good right. as John Wick. Uh, because it's
0: real. all made-up bullshit, but John Wick, <laughs> they made him... That's the real <laughs> shit, dog! <laughs> but, like, they made Keanu Reeves uh, for four months, eight hours a day, do training uh, in different gun forms, switching between, uh, and, and, like, part of it, I assume that they were like, you get four hours a day, and he's like, fuck it, I'm doing eight, Uh, because he's a very dedicated (laughs) actor, and he loves to get into the minutia, and like, it shows in his performance in that there's a very natural feel to the way that he fights, and the way that he does his gunplay, and the way that he really interacts with The the world around him and in in terms of the way he stands and the way he shifts his feet when he switches between different guns. Uh, So there's a a very, uh, I would say, naturalistic uh, form to his his uh, art. And they went out of their way to give each person their own different form of like martial arts play. So Vigo is a I think he, I forget the name. It's like a jiu-jitsu but it's specifically like a Russian jiu-jitsu. Um
1: uh, Sam, Sambo I think it's called.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Um and Mockingbird or or or, or Pilecki, hers is specifically like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So like these are really well crafted uh, uh action scenes.
1: Yes, and of course, uh, yeah. you talk about Keanu Reeves' training, and he's doing all of this himself. I think it was when John Wick Chapter 3 was coming out, uh, there was a video that was making the rounds on social media of Keanu Reeves' training, um, both phys- you know physical yeah. movement and also with the firearms. And you watch this footage and you go holy shit if he was not allegedly one of if not the nicest person in the entertainment business he would certainly be the most fucking frightening person in all of the entertainment business this dude like it's not just John Wick the character were he so inclined Keanu Reeves could murder the shit out of you with startling efficiency um but it's it's incredible how yeah like he he in collaboration with these guys that that he's been working with since the Matrix, I think, was the first time he collaborated with Legion and Stahelski. Um, yeah, I think, wasn't Stahelski his stunt double? If yes. I recall correctly, yeah. And uh, so the, the, what they were able to develop together and, of course, the familiarity they have with each other and doing that kind of work together, I'm sure, made it a more fluid process. But together, they, they did essentially turn actor Keanu Reeves into a, an ultra-efficient murder machine, which is both impressive <laughs> and, like, legit frightening.
0: Yeah, um, so we are running close to the end, so I thought, instead of doing, like, final thoughts, I thought we would do cool things!
1: <laughs> cool things! I mean, I feel like we would definitely be remiss if we didn't mention a fucking pencil. Yes. That's it. Oh, yeah. I just, I just so needed good. that reference. I feel like this whole conversation would have been wasted were there not a single reference to the fucking pencil line.
0: That's true.
2: No, you're absolutely right. I want to point out really quickly cool thing that David Leitch um, uh, went on to direct Atomic Blonde, Deadpool 2, yes. and Hobbs and Shaw, which I think very much tell you what John Wick is about. It's about fun and playing in the genre. We know what we're doing. We know why we're here. We're here to see someone fuck shit up. Let's get there. And John Wick gets there and stays there the whole movie. <laughs> um,
1: I also... I also um I really enjoy for just if we're just talking about cool shit. Yes. Um obviously as we go further into this series the action sequences become far bigger, far more elaborate, far more large, uh, larger larger mm-hmm. than life. Spoilers. But there is there's a weaponized horse. Uh but there is in this movie such a stripped down elegant simplicity to these action scenes. And I feel like obviously you've got that first action scene where the guys are are sort of assaulting him in his house. But I think the real standout action scene in this movie is when John goes after Yosef and his flunkies at that sort of like bathhouse club. Russian bath. Yeah. Yeah, And you've got, you know, this, this very stripped down, elegant, balletic gunfight set to that song. uh, It's called think by Kaleida, Kaleida. I don't know how to pronounce it, but this like uh, Icelandic, I think Icelandic or Nordic, um, like electronic pop. Act And also, um, by extension, I guess I want to shout out the music in this movie overall, because not only do you oh, have yeah. sort of really cool, uh, like Nordic Icelandic pop music, but you also have the score by Tyler Bates. And there is a run of notes uh, that recurs throughout these movies that are it's uh, maybe as close as John Wick comes to having a theme. Outside of the one track that that sounds vaguely like, um, oh God, uh, Battle Without Honor or Humanity. But they take uh, in the sequel, and I highly recommend everybody listen to this track because it's bomb as fuck. They take that piece of score and they build an actual song around it called Plastic Heart. It's on the John Wick 2 soundtrack. Check that shit out. But I do really like, yeah, I like the way they use score and they also use a couple of uh, needle drops to, re- to create a mood that feels you know even when things are getting super bombastic um, when they're using music the way they use the music so frequently in this movie it creates this feel where you're sort of in this icy cold efficient mindset that you know in those moments John is having to switch into himself and I think it's a really great way to put the audience in this sort of uh, emotional state of the character while he's murdering the shit out of people
0: yeah. Uh, Andrew, do you have any more cool things before we wrap up?
2: Um, I just uh, want to share a quick quote from Stelesky who talks about how
0: good the, the good, the bad, and the ugly was
2: a big uh, influence on it. Yes. And he just says that, uh, look at Clint Eastwood in it. There's so much backstory. We're big fans of living it to your imagination. We just give you some gold coins. And then it's, where do those come from? We'll get to that, <laughs> which I just love. And also, like, I honestly think that if more people felt that way about, like, world building, we would have a lot of really fucking cool worlds. I mean, worlds. that's
0: yes. the J.J. Abrams model. <laughs> oh, is it?
2: <laughs> uh, oh.
0: <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Mystery um,
2: box.
1: <laughs> uh yes uh, but but you yeah. talk about like we talk about the world building and you talk about um, the Sergio Leone movies as a point of comparison uh, when they were making fistful of dollars Clint Eastwood expressly requested less dialogue because he thought that it made the character more mysterious and by extension a lot more compelling and a lot more powerful as an on-screen presence and they very much took the same approach here. Like I was listening to, I've got the Blu-ray and I was listening to the commentary and they talk about, especially in the scene early in the movie after uh, John's wife's funeral, when Marcus approaches them and they talk in the rain, they talk specifically about stripping dialogue out of that scene because they realize that they're essentially hobbling themselves and overdoing it. And these characters are so much more interesting, the more, the more, is left unspoken. It's all about that mystery as opposed to making things really explicit. Like, here's where the coins come from and here's what they did. And we do get into explaining uh, some of this stuff in greater detail in the later movies. And it's it's interesting. But answering those questions is never going to be more interesting than the questions themselves. And they they understood that uh, so completely well. And they, they told their story accordingly. And I guess uh, since we're about to wrap, one thing i do really want to circle back around to um and it's the thing that affected me the most in a new way this time is how the movie deals with the idea of grief and how we talk about halcyon days right we talk about uh the the old way of doing things the way things were uh is gone now and we whether we like it or not and and often uh separate from any choices that we would make from ourselves, we are thrust into new and terrifying circumstances that force us to evolve, change, grow, alter our our point of view. Um, And I think, again, without going too far into the weeds in this direction, we're all sort of living through a version of that right now. The way things were, I think, in the entire world, the way things were is gone, for better or worse, is gone. And we are all of us, I think, to one degree or another, grappling with Feelings uh, that are, uh, if not grief adjacent, there it's, it's explicitly grief. And I think you could also argue that in a great many cases, our ability to grieve in a proper, healthy way, in a way that we would elect to, is being taken from us um, in, in, in mass. And I feel like uh, my, my hope is that, like John Wick, we are collectively, all of us, able to take the reins back. Uh, but it's, 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 I mean, the struggle is real, etc. You know what I mean? And like watching John having that taken from him, the, let's call it the luxury of grief, the grief that you would choose the grief that is, is sort of the best way for you to process through what you have lost. Uh, watching John sort of take ownership of that. And yes, I'm not encouraging people to go out and headshot a bunch of motherfuckers, but watching John take the reins uh of his life back to not be destroyed but instead to say you can't take that from me Uh, i will not allow you to take that from me i will persevere i will alter my worldview i my role in this world is now something different than what it was but i'm taking ownership of that and i'm taking back my pain and my grief and it it just i I apologize if I'm if I'm way too far in the weeds and I'm rambling. But to me, that was that plays so much more resonantly right now, for me, at least, than it did the first time I saw this movie or even the last time I watched this movie. It really spoke to me and it feels uh, very now. So we talk about we talk about Halcyon Days, right? I feel like, yeah, this is this is that. And and watching John sort of reclaim his power in that way, I think, is is Oddly, for a movie with this many headshots in it, oddly moving.
0: Yeah. Um, so I wanted, and I'm gonna to I'm gonna jump in and say, let your headshots instead of being with guns, why don't they be votes, motherfucker? Why don't you vote? Why don't you? <laughs> your headshots are signed petitions your headshots are donations to bail funds your 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 headshots are going out and and protesting if you're safe to do so these are your headshots this is how you reclaim your life right
1: yes we can
2: nothing as cool as being a political john wick (laughs)
1: am i right But but we can we can we can take ownership of of our new paradigm we can but we have to be willing to fight the way john is willing to fight hopefully uh yeah fewer headshots though please por favor
0: no let more headshots <laughs> but the, again we've we've listed what your guns are made of which are, are votes and money and 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 petitions those are what you, those are your guns and and th- and the love and the yes. love for dogs and
1: love yes. for dogs um, that too is uh I, I'm a big like I love we've talked on this show about how I'm a big fan of extremity in fiction. So if something is super gory, ultra violent, ex, extreme as fuck, I'm usually going to be very entertained by it. Uh treat your fictional, pretend, completely pretend human characters as violently as you want to, but leave the fucking dogs alone. I get genuinely like when animals right. are hurt in fiction, I I get upset and so the only way I can make peace with that happening in a movie is if we then spend the rest of the movie avenging that fucking dog
2: getting revenge which we do this movie was made for you (laughs) this movie was made for you Uh, and if I may just one last moment thought I go watch John Wick 2 you can as as Lex mentioned 3 is not as terrible as everyone makes it out to be but 2 is phenomenal I, I honestly think just it, they just keep, keep going. And I think three is great too, personally, but I am obviously
0: biased. <laughs> um, all right. Well, if someone wanted to talk to you more about your biases, uh, where might they find you, Andrew? Uh,
2: if you wanted to find me someplace, you could check me out on uh, Instagram at the Andrew Mena or at uh, Twitter at Andrew Mena. Or if you wanted to check out some of the art I make, you could check out me on
0: Twitter at uh, koboldeer, K-O-B, O L D E E R. Uh, you can check out nice.
2: some
0: of that. Uh, what about you, Lex? If someone wanted to talk to you about continental breakfasts, <laughs> where could they find you?
1: Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael. I also do another podcast with my partner Marianne Ramish. We call it Friends with Benefits, where we take a look at the massive pop culture juggernaut that is the television series Friends, now streaming on HBO Max. You can watch along. With us. Uh, Marianne is a very big fan of the show, and oh boy am I not. But thankfully, I'm having a much better time talking about it than I am watching it. And we talk about every single episode from a fan perspective and a critical perspective. Uh, we're on a bit of a mid season hiatus right now. We're, we're in season two, but we're going to be back in a couple of weeks and we will uh, be picking up and, and going. So please join us, watch along. Uh, it's called Friends with Benefits. You can find that wherever you find your podcast. Uh, Tari J. Where the heck can people find you?
0: Oh my gosh. If you want to talk to me about headshots and also John Leguizamo, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Tari J, T A R I J A Y. But most importantly, if you want to find this podcast, Just go to Twitter at MissingOutcast, that's M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T, where you'll find what we're talking about from week to week, Uh, by the way, so next week we're going to be talking about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, where young Charlie leaves his world behind and ventures into a dangerous labyrinth of chocolate, so uh, make sure to catch us next week. Once again, Andrew, thank you for joining us. This has been a delight. Thank you for having me. What a great topic. What a great group.
2: You guys, I wish nothing but the greatest things in life that there is to help on a person. Thank you. Uh, Nothing but the opposite of John Wick for you guys.
0: (laughs) Uh, So you want bad? I feel like the opposite of John
1: Wick is a doctor.
2: Yeah, you're just helping people. He just takes healing. He takes people. the bullets.
0: Healing out. healing a lot of right people. Right, yeah, right. There you go. Um Okay. Alright. Glad we found um, that. Um so until next week, this has been the retrospective that is introspective.
1: <laughs> and now you have
0: a new perspective.
1: Boom headshot!
0: Boom headshot. Oh no.
1: Uh, you didn't you didn't subscribe. Boom.
0: Oh, no. You didn't give us five stars. I like that you're actively threatening our listeners. No, this is while just laughing hysterically <laughs> I'm,
1: in, I'm, in, I'm in character, man. I'm I'm uh I'm taking over the role of John Wick in this fucking gritty as shit reboot. I mean and John sh- but, like I don't have the Reeves training, so it's mostly just like a less in shape John uh slamming energy drinks and podcasting and then t- wreaking havoc when he realizes he's not like growing his listener base quickly enough. Mm. It's like monetization. That's what you have taken
0: from me. You've killed me! That from me. Okay, I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs>